Numbers chapter 10, and we'll read verse 13, and then through 28. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but notice at verse 13, and they first took their journey according to the commandment of the Lord by the hand of Moses. In the first place went the standard of the camp of the children of Judah, according to their armies. And over his host was Nashon, the son of Amminadab. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Issachar was Nathaniel, the son of Zuar. And over the host of the tribe of the children of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helon. So notice that it keeps going onward, onward, onward on the list of the children of Israel, each marching forward by their ranks. And then if you look at verse 28, the Bible concludes, Thus were the journeyings of the children of Israel according to their armies which they set forward. And that's the point of my message is we might think that the passage is unnecessary with this group of people in front of this group of people, this group of people in front of this group of people. And you'll notice all a bunch of names from verse 17 and onwards of all these different names marching in their ranks and marching forward. And that's the point of this message is that no matter how unnecessary you might think each name is, God sees each name as important. And He sees each individual, though you might think you're not really that essential, you are essential. And God sees each and every one of you as very important to march forward, to just keep marching forward, to not slow down, to get off the race or to give up or think that you're not qualified, but to just simply march forward. And that's the title of my message today is for some of you who are struggling with failure after failure and you feel discouraged and you feel like that you can't continue on. Those of you who fell back into the same sins over and over again. Some of you lack skill. Some of you are not really good at things and you keep failing. Some of you are going through a real trial or suffering that we don't know about, and it's hard to press forward. Some of you are pressing on for the Lord, striving to do great things for Him, but always the results are very small, and you feel underappreciated, and you don't get enough credit. The Lord's not blessing you as much. Some of you are facing criticisms because you're not that good of a person, or because some of the people around you are just inconsiderate, mean people, and you face criticism after criticism, and you feel so small, belittled, and you just want to give up. My encouragement to, to, to you is to just march forward, to march forward, to not quit. The title of my message today is Forward March. Let's pray. God, my Father, please fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit. Wash away my sins with your precious and most holy blood. And I pray that today's preaching will be a blessing to the hearers, to the newcomers. Uh, they need to hear something from heaven, Heavenly Father. Give it to them, for I am nothing without you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. All right, I just want to welcome each and every person who came to our church and just letting you all know that downstairs is always available for the children if you want to send them right now. All right, we're going to look at Numbers chapter 10, and then we'll read verse 13. The Bible says... The first point is the precept of God. The precept of God. If you look at verse 13, it says, And they first took their journey according to the commandment of the Lord. Now notice that when they marched forward, that was a command. That was a precept from God. Now the reason why 
the children of Israel, they didn't turn back, you notice. They didn't stop and they didn't turn to the right or to the left. They just went forward because that is what God specifically commanded them to do. And that's what you must understand. Why should I march forward, pastor? Why can't I quit? Because you have no choice. It's a direct command from God. It's a direct precept from the Lord. If you uh, recall Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible talks about the law of sowing and reaping. And there is a passage that reads that he that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now that's an encouraging verse. The verse promised you that if you just keep marching forward, just keep sowing those little seeds that you feel like is a failure, that you feel like doesn't accomplish much, and perhaps you went through discouragement or mistakes, but keep sowing the seeds because God promised. He promised that it has to produce fruit. So that's a guarantee is that if you just keep marching forward and yeah, you might see those seeds scattered and just come to nothing and you try to overcome the sin, but you fall into it again. You try to do something that you're best, but you fail despite of your best efforts. The Lord promised you that it should produce fruit. So don't be weary, he says, just keep going. Well, I don't see the promise. I don't see the fruit. Well, you got to realize this. Just because you don't see the promise and fruit, that doesn't mean that it's powerful to overthrow the command of God. It is the law of sowing and reaping. And God promised you that you have to have fruit produced. In Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 16, it says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. I love that verse. Uh, Sometimes we have to understand that You know, we might fall seven times. And God says, a just man even, a just man falls seven times. But God says he's going to rise up. Wicked people, however, they just fall and they stay fallen. I know that sometimes you might wonder, hey, pastor, I do try. I try to pick myself up. If I fall, I pick myself up, back up again. But I still mess up. No matter how many times I try, pastor, I'm I'm really trying. But I still mess up and I don't understand The answer is very simple. You spend more time giving up than trying. That's the reason why you feel like that you're defeated, that you're messed up. Because if I were you, if I fall down, I'd immediately pick myself back up and read the Bible, pray, get rid of the sin, and just drag myself to church. That's it. And if more of that time is spent on those things, see, on trying, cleaning up my mess, then what happens is if you were to fall and... God forbid, but let's be honest, you're going to fall again later in the future. And if you fall again, then just immediately confess it under the blood, repent, and then just get back up and clean up the sin and just get back to serving God. And then perhaps the more attempts that you try serving God will outnumber the more times that you fall. So let that encourage you. That's the reason why that uh, you give up. That's why you feel like you mess up. Yeah, because you once you fall... You stay fallen. You weep. You mourn. You get discouraged. You feel like, I think I should just dig deeper into sin now because I'm just a loser and I'm just a nobody. See, you're wasting precious time and day after day after day in a defeatist mode, in a defeated mode. You're not spending time and day after day just 
confessing it under the blood, repenting of it, and then trying to clean up and serve God. That's what you should be spending more of your time on. And then you'd be very surprised. You'd probably overcome. Just march forward. You might say, why is that? Because it's God's command. God's command is for you to keep trying. If you disobey God's command on trying, and you stay fallen, and you get discouraged, and you say, I'm just nothing. I'm I'm pathetic. I can't do anything more for the Lord. Know this, you're disobeying God right now. So you have to realize, look, it's not a matter of my feelings or my emotions or, hey, I messed up a thousand times. God said that he'd forgive me under the blood if I repent and I better just do what he told me to do. Get right with God. That's it. My second point is the property of God. The property of God. If you look at verse 17, the Bible talks about God's property, which is the tabernacle. And then verse 21, you'll notice that they're carrying God's property, which is the sanctuary and things that make up the tabernacle. And that's the reason why the children of Israel march forward, because they're carrying God's properties. It's that precious. It's that important. You know why you should march forward? You're you're the property of God. It's that simple. God's property has to keep going by what God, whatever direction God wants it to go. Do you understand why you have to march forward? It's because just like this tabernacle, you're the property of God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, your body is the tabernacle of the Lord. You're the property of God, and that's why you have no choice to go any path but His. And that's the reason why you should drag yourself. That's the reason why you should pick yourself up. That's why you should encourage yourself when you feel discouraged. Is because you're God's property. God's property has to go forward. It can't backslide. It can't just keep falling. It can't stop. It can't go right or left. It has to just keep pressing on. Because you're God's property. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's, That's a great blessing is that you are God's property that he has to work till the end. Till the very end, he has to work in you. He has to do great things in you. I mean, if God really depended on you to succeed for him, to do great things for him, then God is sure has got a lot of faith in you because let's be honest, you and I are messed up people. Why should God depend on you? So know this, okay? Don't feel so pressured into thinking that, well, because I messed up and God is depending on me to keep this ministry going. God has so much faith in me. I can't let him down. Aren't you full of yourself? God knows who he called, you know. I know you're a messed up individual. But guess what? I'm going to use you anyway because my power is greater than yours and I can, my grace is greater than your sin and I can take the weak, pathetic, fragile areas and turn it into something powerful. So that's why I'm going to use you because you're nothing, you're pathetic and you're just a tool that I can use. I'm a property that I can use for my glory. Now, if you think about that, you'd feel very much encouraged. If you're the type of person that's like, I'm a great guy, I'm smart, and that's why the Lord's using me, la di da di da then wait till you mess up. You're going to be a very discouraged individual. I mean, God really trusts you that much, depends on you to save the whole world. Ooh, great guy that you are, you know, some person you are. I mean, you got to understand this, is that people in this church do not need me. 
People online do not need me. Now, I know that the Lord is using me, and there is a point there that I understand people uh, are depending on me, but you got to... But I know where I'm at. I'm just simply a property. I'm just a messed up piece of dirt that the Lord decided to claim as his own property and just to use. And I don't know why people would depend on this property to stand upon and to grow upon and to interact with. For crying out loud, how in the world? Why? Because I'm just a messed up piece of property. But for some weird reason, people would just keep moving inside this California right over here. Instead of running away to Texas, right? There are so many Texas out there that people can run away to. But God just uses this piece of property of California where people, for some weird reason, can get a blessing from. You see, that's the power of God. So who do you think you are? Don't think highly of yourself. Oh, I should get rid of this sin problem. Oh, I should do better in this job. Who do you think you are? You're not that great. We know how much of, of a messed up piece of dirt that you are. Okay? So... Don't be discouraged. You should be encouraged that, look, God's not depending everything on you. He's actually going to do the work for you. He's going to forgive you of your sins. He's going to repair the broken pieces. Sure, you reap what you sow. And sure, sin has a price. But God's not going to give up on using you. Now, remember, if you quit and you reject and you stop, then you're rejecting God's help in you. He wants to do a good work in you, even when you fall. It's his job to chastise you. It's his job to get you in the right path. And he does chastisement out of love, the Bible says. So that's his job. So don't reject God's help. Okay, don't say I give up and I quit. No, let God continue to work in you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now that passage shows we have to be looking at Jesus, looking at Jesus, but we're looking at our discouragements. And when you keep focusing on your discouragement that, hey, I've overcome, I read my Bible today, and I pray today, but I know I'm going to mess up tomorrow. And my flesh just feels so heavy. And yeah, I know that I'm going to mess up. And when you wake up in the morning, you do mess up. And then you missed out your Bible reading and prayer. And then you go, oh, man, uh, I knew it that I was going to mess up. And see, what is all your concentration on? What, are, what is everything that you're thinking about? It's certainly not Jesus. It's your discouragement. It's your discouragement that I'm a loser. I'm flesh. I'm wicked, so I'm just going to mess up again. What are you looking at, man? You got to look at Jesus Christ. You're not the property of failure. You're not the property of discouragement. You're not the property of sin. You're not the property of the devil. You're not a property of this wicked world. You're not a property of your lust. You're the property of Jesus Christ. And if you're to think that way, that I am the property of God, so that's why I can overpower this sin, this temptation. And yeah, I failed, but God can overcome the failure and use it mightily for his honor and glory. God can fill me with this, the power of his spirit. Use me no matter how much of a messed up vessel that I am. And yeah, I might try my best. And yeah, I am unskilled, untalented. And why would the Lord use me? You know, God used you because you're his property. It's not about you. And if you're to focus on that, then there's no way you're going to lose. 
You know why you lose? You keep thinking I'm the property of my lust. I'm the property of my sin. I'm a property of my untalent, my unskilled areas. I'm just a, I always make mistakes. I'm not good at talking. I'm not good at preaching. I'm not good at welcoming people. I'm not good at soul winning. And I am, I am, I am. Who do you think you are? You're none of those things. You're the property of Jesus Christ. It's where a person says that I can't speak well. And then when the Lord takes him as his property and the person realizes he's the property, then he can Preach really good, right? Lord can use great things. Just realize who you are. You're God's property. That's what you are. And God can use great things for those things. Uh, Look at verse 14 through 16. Let's talk about the third point, the people of God. The people of God. Notice the people mentioned here at verse 14, 15, and 16. Bunch of people mentioned. 18, 19, and 20, a bunch of people mentioned. 22, 23, 24, a bunch of people mentioned. Notice that the children of Israel had to march forward. Why? It's the sake of their people. It's for their people. They're supposed to represent their tribe. If they marched anywhere else instead of forward, but they marched anywhere else, they would have ruined the marching ranks of the other people. And they could have exposed them to enemy danger. And that's why you must march forward. You know why? Because you're going to cause others to not march forward for the Lord. And you're going to expose them to enemy danger. So that's why you have no choice but to march forward. Why? Why should I march forward? Because of the brother and sister in Christ sitting next to you. Because of that son and daughter that you have in your home. Because of that wife that's depending on you. Because of that husband that's looking up to you. You know why you should keep marching forward? Because of the church people who welcome you, even though you feel unwelcome. You know why you should march forward? Because of the pastor who may not have interacted with you as much, but needs your presence. Just that one person to fill up an empty seat. You know why people are so necessary? It's because if they are exposed to enemy danger when they don't march forward. If you don't march forward, you're going to expose your brother and sister in Christ, the people around you, to enemy danger. So march forward. We know you're messed up. We know that uh, God could use better people. But guess what? If you choose and remain to be messed up and fall off the sideline, you're going to expose other people to enemy danger. That's why you have to march forward. It's not about you. It's it's about the other people that you love. Do you know why the biggest successful people where people will talk about today like Thomas Edison or Webster, they became an inspiration to secular people worldwide. They have one common key. You might say, well, I'm not talented, I'm not great, and I'm a messed up individual. I'm not a genius like some of these people who made it at the world's Guinness Book of Records. No, they all had one common key. They went through problems. They went through problems like you. I mean, here are big names that the secular world has recognized. Winston Churchill, he seemed so dull as a youth that his father thought he might be incapable of earning a living in England. G.K. Chesterton, who's the English writer, he couldn't read until he was eight. One of his teachers told him, if we could open your head, we should not find any brain but only a lump of white fat. Thomas Edison's first teacher described him as addled, and his father almost convinced him that he was a dunce. Albert Einstein's parents feared their child was dull, and he performed so badly in all high school courses except math 
that a teacher asked him to drop out. Plato, he wrote the first sentence of his famous Republic nine different ways before he was finally satisfied. Cicero, he practiced speaking before friends every single day for 30 years to perfect his elocution. Noah Webster, he had to take 36 years to finish his dictionary, cross the Atlantic Ocean twice to gather material. Milton rose at 4 a.m. every morning in order to have enough hours for his famous work, Paradise Lost. Gibbon spent 26 years on his work, Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Bryant, he rewrote one of his poetic masterpieces 99 times before publication, and it became a classic hit. When, when author Irving Stone was asked about the common key within successful people, such as Michelangelo, Vincent van Gogh, Sigmund Freud, and Charles Darwin, big famous names, and these people aren't even saved individuals, he said about these lost, some of these lost people, they are beaten over the head, knocked down, vilified, and for years they get nowhere. But every time they're knocked down, they stand up. You cannot destroy these people. And at the end of their lives, they've accomplished some modest part of what they set out to do. Now, notice that if lost, unsaved people can become famous and accomplish great feats in spite of their many failures, I mean, some of these failures you didn't even commit. I mean, you tried pastoring 36 years. Okay? So... Think about some of these people who spent decades and decades and failure after failure. Some of them who weren't even called such a loser as you have been called. Some of them have been worse. They've been called worse by other people, but they became big. They accomplished great things. If that's, if that's what happens with lost people, more so with God's people. With God's people, don't you believe his promise of Romans 8, 28, that he can use all things and work together for good, that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in your weaknesses, he can create strength and power. What in the world? What are you looking at? I mean, the thing that you share in common with big famous names and these people is that you fail just like them. You're a loser just like them. That you suffer defeat after defeat just like them. That you've been doing it for years and years and years and there's no accomplishment. Just like them. You're, you have a common feature with all these geniuses and famous people throughout history. But you have something even better. You got the Lord Jesus Christ. So you should do far more. In 1972, NASA, they launched their space probe, Pioneer 10, to explore Jupiter Scientists, they doubted this small device to benefit the people because at that time there was no Earth satellite that ever went beyond Mars. Pioneer 10, it accomplished though, however, by it passed Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and amazingly it reached to where they called it Pluto, but now it's questionable. However, in the end, the Pioneer 10, this small little space probe, was more than 6 billion miles from the sun. And despite that immense distance, Pioneer 10 continued to beam back radio signals to scientists on the earth. You know what the power of Pioneer 10 was? No more than an 8-watt transmitter. 
which radiates about as much power as a bedroom nightlight. And it takes more than nine hours to reach Earth. But the engineers design, designed Pioneer 10 with a youth, useful life of just three years. But its tiny 8-watt transmitter radio is surprisingly accomplished 25 years. And the whole world thought, what a great endeavor to science, and what a great endeavor it brought amazing benefit to the people. Well, you know, I say ha-ha to that, but there's something that I see here is that you see this little powerless device. You might think that you just have just as much small power. But my friend... History has proven throughout time and time again that you'd be surprised the small little things, how far it can reach and how much benefit it can bring to so many people around the world. Why? Because that little thing, all it did was just... Oh, small, little, no way that you just... You know what it did? It just never thought about being discouraged, that I'm a loser, that I should stop. It just kept going forward. Oh, you, we know you're small, all right? We know you're like a tiny 8-watt transmitter, all right? You're not a great person, great Christian. We know. We know. Just go forward. Amen. Just go forward and you'd be surprised how far you can reach. How much people that you can benefit. Do you know how much you can benefit the people in this church and the pastor and your own household by just just going? A little tiny 8-watt transmitter. Come on. You can do so much more than a piece of junk, can't you? The fourth point is the posterior of God. The posterior of God. If you look at verse 25 through 27, notice that the children of Dan, they were set forward, which was the reward of all the camps throughout their host. You see that? So they were at the way back, the bottom of the line. They were the posterior. They were at the bottom of the line, the tribe of Dan. But you know what? They just kept marching forward for the Lord. Why? Because if you read the next verses at 26, 27, that is part of all of God's design and plan for a good purpose. I don't care if you're the bottom of the line amongst all the Christians. You might be the bottom of the line of all the Christians in this room, although I highly doubt that. I think that there's a lot, plenty of Christians out there who are more bottom than you. I strongly believe that. You're not, the, you're not the bottom of the bottom. Don't think that you're that special. But even if you're the bottom of the line of Christians, guess what? God says they're part of my design and plan for a good purpose. No, not me. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. The bottom of the line. Failure of the failures. The one who makes the most mistakes. The one who's the least capable. Yep, God's going to use you. Turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. You'd be surprised if you just keep marching forward. I know that you have a long ways to go. And I know that there's so much to overcome and you feel powerless and you feel so small. But that does not mean that you're outside of God's design and plan. God's plan is still working in you and he'll perform that good work, as the Bible says, until the day 
of Jesus Christ. So you need to realize that you're never outside of God's plan. You're always in God's plan. Even when you fail and mess up, his promise of Romans 8, 28 is unbreakable. And he's still got you as a part of his design, his plan of what he's going to use you. You have no idea that the very next day could be a soul saved because of that track that you've given. It could be a soul who, come to, who came to church and changed that family's life forever because of what you did the next day. It could be because of that one prayer that you gave that you rescued somebody's life. It could be that church attendance that you gave that could have rescued somebody else's life who's sitting next to you. You have no idea what God's plan is. And guess what? You're never outside of his plan. Even if you're the bottom. You think God's a great waster? God's going to go with the great ultimate plan that, oh, these parts, uh, they're the bottom of the line. I'm not going to use them. No, if he's going to have a complete, a full complete plan, he can't let any single thing, bottom of the line or the top, go outside. He's going to have to make everything a part of his plan. I mean, even the bottom is necessary for the building and the structure to be built on top. We need bottom people so that they can encourage other bottom people who mess up. You're necessary whether you think it or not. We need bottom people so that I can preach this message. You know why I preach this message? Because of some bottom people. That's why I made this message. And it helps somebody who is above the bottom person. Because this guy who's above the bottom person is probably thinking, I'm at the bottom. Maybe that's you I'm talking about. We need bottom people. It's part of God's plan. Turn to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. Verse 28. The Bible reads, uh, let me turn one page here. Uh, Hands are slippery. Okay, but what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Listen up. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that the publicans... And the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Man, that's encouraging. See, the ones who are at the bottom, the publicans and the harlots, just like in that story Jesus used, the first person who says, who directly violated God's command, who directly said no, who directly despised the Father, they were the people who went first above the people which is the second son that we read here, who said, I'll do the work of the Father, but they don't. The ones who are better in accomplishing more for God are not those who are righteous and then give up. If there's one thing I learned from the past years of my ministry, the ones who are better in accomplishing more for the Lord are those who are at the posterior, the bottom of the line, but they don't give up. You know what the righteous person, the righteous people do? They say, I'm going to do this for the Lord. I'm going to do that for the Lord. And then when they mess up, then they just give up. You know what the bottom of the line people do? I know I'm a messed up person, but God's going to still going to use me. So I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep going. Who do you think the Lord's going to use more? 
You know, people who are righteous who have crossed out all their T's, uh, uh, they, they crossed out all their lines and made sure that everything is taken care of. When they make a mistake or they fail, they take it really, really hard. And then they get super duper discouraged and they hardly do things for the Lord. But people who are used to messing up, they know that they messed up. And they're like, this is nothing new under the sun. I just know that God's miracle is still giving me breath and he's still using me. I just claim his promise and go. You know how I became the preacher that I am today? Because I'm the bottom of the line. I'm the bottom of the line. And God could have called many other great preachers and people. But when I recognize I'm the bottom of the line, it helped me not to quit. When you feel like being in the posterior, the bottom of the line, due to your suffering that you're going through, and you make small result after small result, and you feel like your talents and your skills are just a messed up, and you feel like the bottom of the line because when you attempt to do things but you fail, and you put good heart into it, but you still fail. And you feel like the bottom of the line because you're just wretched. You're just a messed up sinner. And people don't know about it. And you feel like the bottom of the line because people just keep critiquing you. They don't uh, find something good in you. Remember that these things may have afflicted you really hard. But guess what? Those things also gave you a great reward. You might say, how can affliction reward me? One is humility. Second Chronicles chapter 33 verse 12 says, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. This person was a really wicked individual, but because of affliction, he also became greatly humble. And you know who are the people God exalts? Those who are greatly humbled. Not the people who have everything perfect and they think that they're all right then what's going to happen is pride's going to get to them. The devil's going to use them. And guess what? It takes only one scandal. It takes only one scandal with this great man of God that, oh, oh I thought that he's the greatest because he came from Hiles Church and etc. Just takes one to ruin the world. This guy is RZIM, great in apologetics, debates, defend the faith. Just takes one scandal to ruin the whole life work. See, people th- think, think these people are gods, great people, ones that are very much like Jesus Christ. But see, those aren't the people God uses. It's those people who suffered addictions, those who are the bottom of the line, those who are not talented as preachers, and you still see them in the mission field, still working hard day in and day out. Those nobodies, those nobodies that are serving the Lord. You know why? God uses humble people. If you stay humble, you're going to stay away from trouble. But when you're when you got so much pride and you're thinking about your reputation and how you look, the Lord's not going to use that. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 71 says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. See, you know why it's good that you're going through affliction? It's so that you can learn. It's greater experience. You know what? People who go through mistakes and who mess up, they gain greater experience. A person who's perfect and has a perfect life is not going to counsel a drug addict really well. A person who's just as messed up as that drug addict knows exactly what that person is going through, what that person needs. Why? Because that person learned through experience. How can I preach this message? It was through great experience the Lord taught me. You'd be surprised the life that I went through. 
How many times? I mean, you're not the first and you're not the last. You just joined my group where I thought about quitting a zillion times. A zillion times. I mean, my dad thought I was one of the most depressed individuals in the world. (laughs) You'd be surprised. I was that person. You would be shocked if you saw me six years ago what I was back then. And I would be shocked if you told me, you know, six years later what you're going to become? I would laugh at you. John Wesley is one of the most famous preachers who ever lived. You know how he got his church running? Well, this is how he started. He wrote in his diary the following. Sunday a.m., May the 5th, preached in St. Anne's, was asked to not come back anymore. Sunday p.m., May the 5th, same day, preached in St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Oh, how discouraging. The the next Sunday, a.m., May the 12th, preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. (laughs) That's what he wrote. I'm reading what he said word for word. (laughs) Sunday, a.m., May the 19th, preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Sunday p.m., May the 19th, preached on the street, kicked off street. Sunday a.m., May the 26th, preached in meadow, chased out of meadow as bull was turned loose during service. Sunday a.m., June the 2nd, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. Sunday p.m., June the 2nd, preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. See, if Wesley did not keep marching forward, despite of how many times things got messed up, he would have missed out a great accomplishment for the Lord. You know why you should march forward? There is some great accomplishment you will bring to his name and nothing will stop it short if you stop now. And yeah, I know you messed up, but guess what? Just keep messing up and just keep getting right with the Lord and keep serving God and let him use you. Just march forward. There's a great thing the Lord can use you for. Forward, march. Every head bow and every eye shut. March forward to this altar. Has the Lord been convicting you? Has he encouraged you? Has he convicted you? He can do great things with you. March forward for his name's sake. He'll use you for great things. No matter how many times you go down and you come down, all you have to do is just over, uh, outnumber the falling down with more of trying. Just repent, get under the blood the thousandth time and clean up the thousandth time and get right the thousandth time. We want to make sure each and every person is saved. Perhaps one of you is not saved. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure that you would go to heaven? One of you might say, I'm not 100% sure, Pastor. Right now is the best time to get saved. Before you die, before it's too late, before there's no turning back, would you get saved right now, please? 
You might say, how do I get saved? It is so easy and simple, friend. There's nothing much we're asking you to do. You can do it in your seat right now very easily. Three simple steps. Step number one, you must first realize you can't go to heaven, that you will burn in hell. Why, pastor? Because you've sinned. Let's be honest. You've sinned before. I've sinned before. So because of that, you're going to burn in hell. You might go, well, I already know that, pastor, so that's why I want to get saved. Good. Then step number two, that is why Jesus, who is God, died, buried, and resurrected. Now, I know you've heard that story a thousand times, but you still don't really understand. Basic. Let's go back to step number one. Why do you go to hell? Well, because of sin. Good. You know what washes all your sins away? The blood of Jesus. That's why he had to die, get buried, and raise himself from the dead. See, that only act from Jesus, that's all, all of that is required. He had to do all that to wash away your sins with his blood. So then, what I don't understand is, why do people think that they have to go to church to get saved? Why do you think you have to be a good Christian or surrender your life to Jesus and live for him, be his disciple, make sacrifices, quit all your sins to go to heaven? Why are you depending on those things? Then why in the world did Jesus even have to die for you? Why did he even die? Because that's literally the only thing that can get rid of your sins and save you. Not anything you do. You might go, wow, I didn't realize that before, pastor. So then step number three, you now need to confess that. You now need to say that to the Lord in prayer saying, God, I now recognize it's nothing what I do. It's literally everything you did on the cross. So I'm only going to rely on that. I'm only going to believe in that to save me. That's it. That's what believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved means. See, it's only on that. You might say, well, pastor, I don't know how to say that to God. Can you help me out? Sure. I'll help you say the words to God. You can repeat after me. But remember, repeating a prayer doesn't save you. It's believing with your heart. I'm only giving you the words on how to say it. Don't worry. Every head is bowed and every eye is shut and no one's going to point you out. And I don't know who you are, I'm not going to point you out, all right? You can say it silently to yourself when you repeat after me. It's so simple. Why not get saved now? Why not say it this way? Dear God, I repent. As a sinner, I believe Jesus is God who died, buried, and resurrected so his blood can wash away my sin I'm only trusting in that alone to save me, not my good works, not anything I do. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. If you could bow your head and close your eyes just one last time, please, just one last time. Thank you. We are almost done. I'm about to wrap it up. With every head bowed and every eye shut, I am not going to point out who you are. And no one knows who you are because this is totally confidential and private. If you have just repeated after me in that prayer just now, could you just slip up your hand real briefly so that I can thank the Lord? All right. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you so much. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. All right. Let's close with the word of prayer. 
God, my Father, thank you so much for the souls who have accepted your Son for salvation. And thank you so much for the people here who I trust that the rest of the people, that they truly believed on Christ for salvation. Thank you so much that all of us are now saved and going to heaven. If anyone here is still lost and not saved, I pray that you'll make today the day of their salvation. And for those of us who are saved, I pray that you'll encourage us as we keep marching forward. And just march forward, just forward, 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 and not quit. No matter how many times we mess up, Lord, you can pull us through and do great things with us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, everybody. You have a wonderful Sunday.